Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Everyone, uh, it's time for me to pose three questions to another fascinating, wonderful. Uh, well, they're usually showbiz professionals. I mean, I don't really, I don't really care to talk to anyone who's not in show business. <laughs> um, what a waste of time! Yeah, ugh. and uh, and I, I'm talking to a very talented, fun person who I know in real life. We are IRL pals. Uh, okay. It's Judy Greer. Hi, the amazing Judy Greer, who you've seen in everything. Are you're Lovely one of those people that do people know exactly where they see you from, or do they go like, <gasps> "Oh my God, I know you from," you know? I have a million stories about this, but one happened yesterday. Would you like me to share? Well, that's what we're here for, Judy. All right, Andy. So listen, yesterday was. Um, this might be an overshare. It was my annual mammogram. I don't think it is an overshare. I think it's important to be taking care of our bodies as women and men. You got to get your boobs smashed. I had my boobs smashing yesterday. Um, they had like an upgraded machine, which made no, it still hurt and was still awful. But the technician I had was also new and I went in and, you know, now we all have to like wear masks and everything. Anyway, she was like, oh, oh. She didn't speak English as a first language, so it was a little bit broken English, but she was like, oh my gosh, I know you. I know you. How do I know you? I was like, well, I, I've been in here before once a year, but like I'm an actress. And she's like, oh my gosh, yes, your eyes and your voice. Yes, of course. And she was like, would you would you mind pulling down your mask so I could see your face? And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I've been vaccinated. I pull my mask down. And she got so excited. And she was like, oh my God, you're on, you're on Friends. You're on Friends. And I was like, no. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was not on Friends ever. Yeah. And then and then I like had to sort of negotiate with her like what I was in before she would even like start doing my mammogram, which okay, this is what I asked my husband last night. Is that unprofessional of her? To to say, oh my God, you're on Friends? No, like couldn't this have been happening like while we're doing my mammogram? Or I felt like my mammogram was being held hostage by my resume. Like until I could name a thing that she could identify, like I couldn't get my boob into the machine. Like it wasn't happening. Yes, it's unprofessional. But much of Los Angeles's medical profession is unprofessional and does shit like that. I had my... I have a new doctor now because my old doctor, who is a very good doctor, I mean, in terms of like being a doctor and and diagnosing things and knowing what to do, <laughs> but he was a chatty Kathy who, uh, while telling you stories about his famous clients, told me at oh least God. four times, and I'm not a star fucker, 
I mean, I'm no right. star oh, fucker, no. but, no. but you know, the other day, you know, Nick Cage, you know, uh, all this, and I, you know, you know how, when you get a physical, you get like, you go in and you get the blood drawn and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and then you come back after yeah. the blood work comes and that's when, you know, he touches you everywhere and you yeah. know, goes over the stuff. I come back in like loose fitting clothes. Cause I know that my testicles are going to be fondled and, a finger's going yeah. in my butt. And uh, yeah, sure. and he talked so long that we ran out of time. And he said, oh my God. are you okay to come back sometime? Because we ran, we talked, he, uh, you know, we we talked, which was. We. Yeah. And the nurse came in and was like, you know, like so-and-so is here. Some like, because he's in Beverly Hills. Like some, like basically came in and said. Uh, like that someone high, slightly more famous is here. No, that high maintenance lunatic. Like one of those kind of like she's here, came in. He said, yeah, I'll be with her in a minute. And then she came back and she said, she really is like you could tell, like making a scene because he wasn't there. So he's like, listen, we talked too long. We ran out of time. Would you mind? And and I, you know, I don't fight at things like that. Like I don't put up a stink. I just mm-hmm. get a new doctor. And that's okay. what I did. You know okay. what I mean? I yeah. I came back and I got the rest of the exam and then I just went and got a new doctor. Yeah. Um, who's closer to me anyway. So even doctors, not just not just technicians. Even well, my two or three gynecologists ago, um, he quit the business because of what I what I, I was expressed to me was that he's best friends with Denzel Washington and was going to travel with Denzel to be his personal doctor. Now, this is a gynecologist. Right. An OBGYN. And I loved him. He was like yeah. amazing. And they're like, oh, he's, you know, he's like quitting the business to to go and travel with his best friend, Denzel Washington. And I can't prove that that happened, but that's what I was told. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, and then I now am still looking for, if anyone, if anyone listening to this loves a good, yeah, for gynecologist the, in Los right. Angeles, I'm on Just the answer, I'll, I'll promote it on Twitter and make an answer in the. That the, would be uh, really helpful. In the replies. But yeah, LA doctors, man. And what the fuck is Denzel Washington doing that he needs a doctor <laughs> traveling know. with him? I don't know. Or is he just lonely? Maybe he just wants a friend. Now you. Me. Uh, as so many of the best people are, you are a Midwesterner. Yes. Now, do you still kind of, do you still feel that? Do you still carry that with you? Or have you been here long enough that you... You don't really feel that anymore. No, I think I still have it. Yeah, I do too. I do. I think I still have it because I'm still cheap. I still think I'm never going to work again. I'm still like, I'm still nice to people. I still give people too many chances. I still get the accent when I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, but I'm happy about it. I like it. Yeah, me too. I mean, it is what it is. So, and I... The Sedarises, I was used to yeah. David and Amy Sedaris are friends of mine, and like David used it in a couple of plays. A good old Wisconsin fish boil, which is a real <laughs> thing, and I have been to good old Wisconsin fish boils, and they are fantastic. And I miss them, and I think about things, especially in the fall. I think about like yeah. things like a good old fashioned Wisconsin fish boil, and you know apple picking, and you know. I was gonna cider mills yeah and cider mills and all that kind of and just the greenness of it you know i know and like how you feel like you really earn summer yeah 
That's like, true, too. I also miss, like, pasty legs that first day in <laughs> April when it's, like, 50 and everyone's yeah. wearing, like, Everyone. short shorts. And you're like, it's over, like, the glare of people's, like, translucent flesh is yeah. overwhelming. I wear shorts here on days when people are like, why are you wearing shorts? And it's like, yeah. I year, I've stopped feeling things in my legs at about <laughs> age six. You, know? <laughs> you just get used to it. Yeah. Now, you're from Michigan, right? Yeah. Outside of Detroit. Yeah. Lavonia is where I went to high school. And is it was your dad in the auto business? Because I know he was some kind of engineer. Yeah, he was an engineer. He worked on um he worked on like axle design for heavy trucks. Sexy. I know. It's pretty hot. He's smart. <laughs> he definitely had something patented. Oh really? Yeah. And did it make him fabulously wealthy? <laughs> <laughs> That's a no? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oops. I mean, maybe if he would have created Spanx, but instead he was like, he was working on axles for like big giant semis. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not and your, the your most mom, lucrative. Your mom worked too, but I can't remember what it was. She was, she is a nurse who then became a hospital administrator. Oh, wow. Yeah, she is pretty cool. I mean, she is cool. She's still with us, says my dad. They're still married even, but um, they, but my mom was one of the, she was sort of trailblazing in Detroit. She worked for this hospital that's no longer there called Northwest General, and she um, had the first ever drug recovery ward. Oh, in, wow. Yeah, in Detroit. She was saying that she was running this hospital, and she was seeing a lot of people coming in overdosing and with like drug related injuries and stuff. And she was kind of like putting two and two together and they, she had like extra beds in this one section of the hospital. And she said to the board, like, you know, I think we could be serving our community a lot better if, if we were, instead of just like treating these people and like putting them back out on the street, mm-hmm. if we could actually like help them with their addiction and with their issues. And so she put together this drug recovery ward in her hospital and was like the first one to do it. And, and, uh, I mean, the hospital eventually closed, but it was, you know, for these people, like, kind of life-changing. And I'm always really proud of her for that. That is really great. That's, yeah. you know, um, did she go on after that hospital or did she retire? So then she decided she wanted to work in hospice. So she uh, went back to school, got another master's in hospice care, and she was then running hospice facilities. But through all of it, she always missed nursing and she always liked being with patients. And when, you know, when you're in like administration and stuff, you like never work yeah. with patients anymore. So sort of like as as like retirement kind of started to come, she was kind of went back to just being a nurse and she was really happy doing that. Hospice is really, that's a heavy line of work to do. She really loves death. She's very religious. And I think that, you know, that's, I mean, she will call me and be like, oh, honey, I had the most beautiful death today. It was so gorgeous. It was so peaceful and wonderful. And I'm like, I'm not there, mom. I'm not there yet. Yeah, sorry, mom. But she does have great stories. And and I think that that, you know, we need those people. So thank God for people like my mom who are willing to do it. Well, you find out, too, as you get older— and you, 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 you know, it becomes a part of your life, you know, like yeah. I, when I was little, like we lived with my grandparents and there were a lot of relatives around and my grandmother was like one of 700. So I was <laughs> like, by the time I was 12, I'd probably been to 15 funerals. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was just, and also cause you know, the old people in town would die and you'd go to their funerals. Yeah. Like, my kids have never been to a funeral. Yeah. Never, never, not even one. And 
And so I kind of had it young as a kid, you know, dealing with death and like the death of my grandfather and stuff. But then I didn't have it around. And, you know, and the first the first few deaths that I encountered in my adult life were real difficult. But then you just it becomes another thing that you got to deal with. You know, it becomes another well, that's you know. also kind of a Midwestern attitude, too. Yeah. It's like you just, you know, you get up the next morning and go to work and get back to your life. Yeah. I, I think that like, in a society where we don't totally value, like, old people. Yeah. Um, I think that's why we— Listen, we've... some of them with good reason, let's be honest. <laughs> okay, fine, you're right. <laughs> like, I would say, like, 10% of them suck, but, like, yeah. the rest of them— <laughs> They can be great. They can be some great. You know, but like when you don't, when, when you like, when we've stopped kind of like valuing our, our elders and looking up to them, yeah. like then it also goes, I think, hand in hand to stop like, like sort of being respectful of death and like acknowledging of death. And, mm-hmm. and like, I think sometimes maybe that's why we, we put, a, we lock them all up so we don't have to deal with like our own mortality. Yeah. So got any <laughs> brothers or sisters? <laughs> child oh no <laughs> now and is it true do you feel like you're a classic only child like used to being center of attention kind of stuff or those are questions i feel like you should ask my friends i don't know because to me okay, we've I'm got like, him on the line let's bring him in too. what's up janet <laughs> um no i i like ugh, i don't know i've been told i'm not I've yeah. been told by people like oh i would never have guessed um like it's like some kind of curse uh but i've also um i wouldn't believe it i mean i wouldn't think not that i'm like really hold to these like you're an only child there's a lot of people in my life that are like oh you know that's because that person's an only child and i'm like (laughs) you know and i wouldn't i would have guessed that you were from uh somewhat of a brood just because you seem to be a team player who isn't so needy yeah, I don't think I'm, I don't feel like I'm that needy. Um, again, you should ask my friends and probably also my husband, but uh, no, I don't think <laughs> I'm like super typical. I don't feel like I need to be the center of attention, but I'm also like older now. Yeah. You know, like I'm in my forties. So I'm kind of like, ah, let her, let her have it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or sort of, you know, we're all like kind of figuring out who we are more and like yeah. fitting into our pants better. Or, you know, I don't know what that means because I don't fit into my pants right now. But anyway, no, I don't. Um, my pants. <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole wing a of my there's a whole wing of my closet that's like, I'll come back to you someday, guys. What are pants? Okay. Can we just be honest? What yep. are pants? Yep. Um <laughs> I uh no, but I also like I know the only child that people think of and yeah. and they are really fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Were, do you think that you have always been the same person that you are? Like, do you, or do you think that you've gone through major changes or do you like, do you still feel, cause like for me, I feel like I'm about, I'm probably about 17 now. Like it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? In my internal brain, you know, whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I was maybe 15. You know what I mean? Like, the actual yeah. picture I have of myself or like how I view things and hear things is still pretty much the same as when I was young. Um, I think I'm circling back. Yeah. I think I'm circling back a little bit. And I think that like, 
I'm I'm now in my mid forties where I thought I would be in my early thirties. Mm-hmm. Like I thought in my thirties, like oh I'll have things figured out. I'll like be more settled down. Like I'll have more confident. I don't know. I thought, but it's taken a lot longer for that. But I also know in sort of like superficial ways, I feel like I'm circling back. Like I'm starting to like go back to like dressing how I did in high school and like <laughs> letting my hair be curly and like all kinds of things that I used to do. Um, and I'm wondering if my mentality will follow because I also think I was, you know, we're all like younger and dumber and happier in a way. Yeah. I don't know. My husband and I, <laughs> this is probably a terrible thing to say, but like there's like happy dum-dums out there who are like, you know, just happy. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. It's not, yeah. it's and not I, false. It's true. And I'm, I guess I'm trying to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's a, it's a struggle to know, like, cause especially if you ever do any kind of like work on your mental health and you get into Right. Therapy. Which I'm deep into. Right right, now. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Cause I think it's important and I don't, I don't understand anybody's like, I would, I would never get anything from therapy. I'm like, ah, eh, what? Somebody, you know, everybody could get something from it. I you know? know. I'm having a fight with my friend about this right now. Yeah. But I I think like you, you try and get away from compartmentalization. You know, when you start, like you think like, I can't, I shouldn't be different people in different places. I should integrate this so that I'm the yeah. same person and that I equalize all these different areas of my life and that I get this continuity and I'm not feeling this, you know, grinding gears as I change from one thing to the other. Mm-hmm. But and then as you get older, it's like, no, no, some things you need to put away and leave them over there and then go on and know they're there and everything. But like, you know, there's too many things that you can just get stymied by because of fear yeah. and anxiety yeah. that you just yeah. have to be like, no, I'm just going to enjoy this orange and, you know, and, and sitting in my backyard and I'm yeah. not going to think about, you know, all the diesel fuel it took to get this <laughs> orange to me, you know? Yes. I mean, I think of almost like sort of like an armor. You have to kind of like put as far as like being different people in different situations as for the years, like you said, I can totally relate to I just want to be myself all the time. But it's like myself, like my realist, truest self can't get through some of the situations I have to be in. So like I need to have different armor for like different situations to get through it and to like, you know, get back to being home again. And in talking about compartmentalizing, if you're open, if you're reading anything on your phone, you're going to be so fucked up over all mm-hmm. the shit that is happening in the world, in this, the country, in the state, in the city, in the block that you live in. I mean, I'm on that citizen app and it's like, there's always a dude with a machete, like two blocks away from me. I'm pretty sure <laughs> he might live at the bus. I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. But well, you like- should never have moved to Macheteville. Why did I do that? It's right. Well, it's also like very near the machete superstore. So that was our, like, yeah, that's why there's men with machetes everywhere. But I I think that like you do have to somehow teach yourself to compartmentalize and to like decide what to care about. And And the things you're not saying like, well, I don't care about how the orange got here. You're just saying like, I can't care about it right now. Like, like I can't, I have to. And I was thinking in in some of my younger days and I was like, well, I want to like kind of work with the charity and I want to like give back and stuff. And I remember hearing 
Dido in an interview, she said something that stuck with me and someone that like worked for her was like, well, pick two things and like really care about those two things. And, and I thought like, that's pretty good advice. You yeah. know, you can, and, and another friend said something similar, like after Trump was elected and we all thought the world was going to end. Um, and then it almost did, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so we were right as we knew we were anyway. Um, but like the, I got similar advice from someone else who was like, you know, you can send $25 a month or whatever you can to like a million different places. <laughs> you can like, you can really spread it really thin or you can kind of like hone in on one or two, three things to really care about. And that was, I thought really good advice. Yeah. I think, I think you're right on that too, because I always, the way I think about it is uh, like, there are things that I focus on and things that I give money to and things that I give time to. And mm-hmm. then there are other areas where I'm kind of like, let those be someone else's passion. Yeah. Like somebody else is going to take up the slack on that. And yes, I will benefit from the progress that they make on the slack that they're doing on, you know, that they're taking up yeah. on that thing. Yeah. And the things I'm doing will help them too. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. It is hard to, it is hard to sometimes, I should say it's easy to get overwhelmed by all the need and all the asks and all that, all that, you know, we think we should be, could be better be doing. Um, But then if you don't enjoy the orange when you're eating it, Mm -hmm. then you really have you really have fucked up. Like I don't eat meat and people always get like weird, like, Oh, does it bother you that I'm eating meat? And I'm always like, no, it doesn't, but just eat it. Like, don't throw it out. I'm always (laughs) like, if you're going to do it, like enjoy it and finish it. And and I think like with the orange, if you sit and you eat like whatever the orange symbolizes for you, you know, like enjoy it and, and take the time to savor the moment or the, you know, whatever. And and then if you're just sitting there like feeling guilty about it the whole time, then like you're doing more of a disservice. And you haven't, you haven't done anything other than make yourself right. feel bad at that exactly. point, you know? Exactly. It's like just the little, yeah. If you just take care of your little corner and do things right. Yeah. You know, I went and got an electric car and I just was like, cause I, you know, I yeah. wanted an electric car. And then I found out the, after having it a, a little while, cause I have a dog that's as big as a horse. Um, <laughs> I was like, why did I get this tiny little car? And I, you know, and, and so I actually ended up trading it for a bigger car, but it, which I couldn't find a battery, one of those. Yeah. And so I got a hybrid of that. And, but at any rate, I was like the battery car, like what happens if we get an earthquake and we don't have power for four days? Like you're not driving your car. (laughs) There's every, well, I mean, you know, if I had a car with gas in it, I could escape. You know, I yes. could drive away, but with the battery car, I could get, you know, whatever, 190 miles and then just live there, wherever that was. <laughs> what is a hundred? Which direction do I drive 190 <laughs> yeah. miles? Into the <gasps> ocean. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, 
we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Can't you tell my loves are growing? So you, uh, were you a... a, a- a show-offy kid? Were you a performing kid? Like, did you always have kind of the bug? Uh, I was in the arts, but I wouldn't say I ever had the bug. Um, but I did. I, I did dance. I was like a dancer. I did ballet dancing mm-hmm. as a child, and that was kind of what got me on stage. And then, like, once I was up there, uh, I was then kind of like, oh, maybe. I'll audition for the high school musical and be like, you know, in the chorus or something. And in that audition, you have to like audition for a role and then I got it. And it was kind of like that. And like, as far as ballet is concerned, like I was never going to be a ballet dancer and I wasn't even really that good. So it was kind of a natural transition, but I was never like, oh, I'm the kid who was like putting on plays in her garage. Like, no, that was not me. I was the kid who like my parents would like hide my book. So I had to go outside and play. Like my directions to my babysitters in the summer were like, she must go outside in the sunshine today. Like don't let her sit in her room and read all day long. Wow. I know. What kind of, were you reading (laughs) everything? Were you reading everything or? I was like, I stole books from my parents' bookshelf and read things I should never have been reading at my age. Cause I just like, couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough. And I, and I was really into those sweet Valley high books and I loved those. And I loved, um, I loved Beverly Cleary and I loved Judy Bloom. And, and then as I got like, like tore through those. And then it was like my parents' bookshelves and just like trying those out. And I don't know, like I was reading like James Michener and like, like looking for (laughs) Mr. Goodbar as like a child. Like I remember very specifically, like the, there's like an oral sex scene and looking for Mr. Goodbar that I was like, as like a child being like, I should not be reading this. How old were you? remember how old I was young but this also like these are the books like on the bottom of the shelf yeah yeah yeah. and I was like I don't know it looks it's the same size as my books (laughs) yeah the word I could I get the words yeah yeah I you know I always feel like like you know you're you're fine you know what I mean like you read that as as Mr. Goodbar because like people that freak out because they're kids here swearing or they you know, they catch yeah. him watching somebody, you know, like a porno, <laughs> like How the, fir- the first time that uh, we caught my son, who's 20 now, my, actually my <laughs> ex-wife caught him and a friend and it's just the best thing ever. They Googled the word naked <laughs> and, it, and it of course went like right to hardcore. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. the first thing that came yeah. up is just was like, like three dicks and an yeah. asshole. And yes, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, which is yeah, which is like which is usually the progression for boys. It is like I'm curious about nudity. 
yeah, yeah. Let's get to that stuff. Yeah. Get to the <laughs> craziest stuff. But I always feel like it's, you know, it's like, it doesn't kill you. Like nobody, I mean, granted, there are people with porno problems. That is for sure. Yeah. But I don't think a little kid learning how babies are made is the end of the world, you know? I wish people would talk more about it. Yeah. I mean, my, my, there was a book on my bed one day. And like, I love my parents. They were great. We're close. But like. Come on, man. Like, don't don't let your daughter learn about sex from her first boyfriend. Like, that's yeah. not what you want. That was a lot. And I remember, like, there's a book on the bed. Do you have any questions? No. Yeah. And then it's, of course, like, my parents are very religious, though. It was a lot of, like, you know, when a man and a woman are in love and they get married and yeah, they yeah. pray about it, then they're allowed to, like, put things inside of other things. Like, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so it, we would all just be healthier if we just like talked about sex more, yeah. like with our kids and stuff. Because I think, you know, then the Googling is like, when you take the onus off of it, I think it's the taboo that we all love. Like the, as kids, like we all want to do the thing we're not allowed to do. Yes. Yes. Or talk I know, about. So kids, kids are horn dogs. Like little yeah. kids are horn dogs. They're do people, like the, for, do adults forget what it was like? Yeah. The first book, the, you know, like uh, the first, you go to a reference book, the first thing that you look for is like vagina or penis <laughs> or, you know, know. whatever. You yeah. know, it's just like, it's like, that's always, and you could tell in the, in the books, in the library, like those pages were like, obviously the spine was cracked open. Yeah. To yeah, like the yeah. reproduction section, you know? I mean, it opened right up to it, Mom. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. It was like, literally, I put the book down and it... Yeah. It's obviously a hot topic. Yeah. Um, You went to theater school, though, didn't you? Yeah. Did you set yeah. out to go to theater school? And in Chicago, right? DePaul? Yeah, I went yeah. to DePaul, the theater school at DePaul University. Uh, was it because no. it was Catholic? Was it a Catholic <laughs> no. thing? Were your folks Catholic? I, you know, I was raised Catholic for a little while, and then I asked to leave the Catholic Church. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. How'd that go like, over? You know, they were cool with it. They just said you can go. That I had to go to like a Christian church, and it had, and I had to go to church. Yeah. And it was basically that I just wanted to go to this Presbyterian church because my friend Carol went there, and the boys were cuter, and. <laughs> So I was yeah. like, I don't want to go to Catholic church anymore, but I want to go to this Presbyterian church. And they were like, okay, that's cool. Like, as long as you go to church every Sunday, like, we'll, we're cool with that. So I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. great. So I did that. Uh, so the DePaul thing being Catholic was like, whatever. But um, I didn't actually set out to go to theater school. My, like, in I was in an acting program in my high school, which I auditioned for. And I got in and I was in this program and it was really fun, mostly because I didn't have to go to like, biology and stuff. Um, and then there was this, it was time to apply to college. I didn't really know what to do. Uh, I didn't really have a plan and I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And this girl in my program had said she was auditioning for this acting program at the school in Chicago. And it was really exclusive and they only accept 10% of the people who audition and yada, yada. And I was like, whatever. Um, and I went home that night and told my mom this story and my mom was like, oh, you're auditioning for that program. Like, no one tells my daughter she can't get into a program. And I was like, yeah, it's like really fancy. Like, mm -hmm. I can't just like go audition for it. And she was like, oh, oh, you're going, you're going this weekend. And I'm like, you're insane. Fine, whatever. Anyway, we drove to Chicago that weekend. I, my mom somehow got me into the audition process, even though you were supposed to have your stuff turned in like two weeks ahead of time. I don't know. She's a witch. 
And so I went, I auditioned, I got in. And since I had no plan, I just thought I would go. Plus, I really wanted to be in a big city. My parents wouldn't let me go to New York or LA. So Chicago is the next best thing. So I decided to go there. I get there. They hand you your schedule. Like I didn't have to go sign up for whatever, like you see in the movies. And I was like, oh, this is great. I don't even have to like fight through like what classes do I take in some kind of random orientation or whatever. But like I get there and I realize like, oh, like I didn't know what the word conservatory was. I didn't know. So I didn't realize like I was just all acting all the time from like 830 in the morning until 11 o'clock at night. Like you go to class all day, then your crew as a freshman, your crew on the show that's being performed all night long. And like it was it was nonstop and immersive, I immersive. Yeah. And I went home for Christmas that year and I was like, I don't think this is for me. Like I am this is, I, I'm not this person. Like these people like die for acting. Like I'm there. I'm here because like of you, you know? Yeah. But it was fun and I liked it. And I mean, I don't know. We were uh, on one of those at the time, the school doesn't do this anymore, but they cut the class in half um, after the first year. And after the second year, you had to be invited back. Ah. And so, like, both years I was on warning. So, both years I was like, well, I probably won't even get invited back. So, it's not like, like, I don't, I'll just wait and see what happens. And both years I got invited back. And then finally, you know, when I made it to my third year and I was home free, I was like, well, I guess I'm here now. I guess I'm going to do this. Yeah. But I did like it. Like, it's not like I thought it was stupid or anything. Like, I really liked it and I had fun. And I don't think I was, like, necessarily that great at it in college, but it was, I don't know. I always assumed I'll just have to go to ma- I'll like get a master's in something that I can actually do for my life. <laughs> but for now, it's fun. If you had not been invited back, would you then just like still be at DePaul, but just in a different department, just have to choose a different major? Or would you have to go to school somewhere else? Uh, people who didn't get invited back did both. Some uh-huh. people stayed. And if you didn't get invited back to the program, you could do like what's called a theater studies major. Uh, and yeah, some yeah. people did that. And some people just left altogether and went somewhere else. I just, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. My son's in art and he started out kind of towards a BFA, which is just Painting, painting, painting. Right. And he was like, he did have the exact same thing. This is too much painting, you know? I know. And so he's going, now he's getting a BA in art, which is basically there's painting, but there's also, he also will learn about other things. And I tell people. Which will make your painting better. And make your life better and make you a more interesting person. Like, I loved my program and and I, I do think it was great, but like, I got no college education. Like we basically at the time, and maybe it's changed. We took the same classes that like the basketball players took, like designed mm-hmm. to pass like a few academic classes so that you could get a bachelor's yeah. instead of like a certificate. And that was that. And like, I, I do regret that I didn't do something like a little bit more mainstream. I mean, hindsight, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, I, I, I do give that advice to people and they're like, I'm starting out. What do I do? And I'm like, learn things, read books. Yeah, like, yeah. don't be a dumb actor. Also, I think, you know, because I went I went two years to University of Illinois, just kind of liberal arts. And mm-hmm. then I went to Columbia College in Chicago mm-hmm. to film yeah, school. Yeah, I had tons of friends there. Right down the street. And um, I found that kids, that, and I think that I see it today with like younger people, 
these kids go to film school and all they learn about is movies. So then they're expected to make movies and all they know is movies. So Mm -hmm. they make movies about movies. Yeah. Rather than movies about what it's (laughs) like to work in an office or what it's like to be a (gasps) fireman or what it's like to, you know, fall in love overseas. You know, I mean, they just, all they know is like, you know, uh, let's talk about Barry Lyndon again. And like, no, let's not. Let's talk about, you know, know. getting your heart broken or something. So, and also too, I always feel too, when young people are like, what should I do? It's like, "Eh, just do, just do things. Don't rush. There's no rush. You'll be fine. You know, you'll be fine or you won't. If you're meant to do this, you're meant to do this. And if you're not, You'll learn a lesson, a lesson in disappointment. Because even if you end up doing this, you learn lot. You learn lots of lessons in disappointment. You know? I know, I know. And I have civilian friends who are like, "I have a really big job interview today. I'm so nervous. I'm like, I'm the wrong person to talk to about that. Right, right. I'm like, every day of my life is a job interview. Yeah. Like, I don't get most of the jobs I interview for. Yeah, quote unquote interview. So like, I, so I'm like, so yeah. And I, I also <laughs> feel too like you can. Well, I guess it's the same of a job interview, but like I always looked at it like what's special about acting is that, you know, if you're say like in you're in sales and you go in and you have a product and they you get turned down, you can go like, well, they didn't like the product, but like you're the product, no, your face like and your voice <gasps> and your body and how I you know, move, that's and- the product. And they go, no, no. And then the even further level of it is you get a TV show. And then America says, nah, yeah. no, no, thank you. No, yeah, no, we, not... yeah, we see, we see what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, we see, we get it, but no thanks, you know. I know. You can it's make like, yourself nuts. How can we do this to ourselves over and over and over? Because uh, it's fun. I know. You, you know what? You're, we, it's like a high stakes game and we're used to it and it is really fun. You know, it's great when you're doing yeah. it and it's worth it and it's like, and I, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this from all your guests and feel the same way, but it's like, we don't get paid for the job. Mm-hmm. We get paid for all the jobs we didn't get yeah. and all the times we failed and all the times we put ourselves out there. Yeah. And even when you're on the job, you get paid for the waiting around. <laughs> That's it. You know, the, the sitting somewhere for seven hours and then being told, you know what? We don't need you today. We're not so going to get home. to your scene. Yeah, We're so yeah. sorry. And now Oopsie. the waiting around is like by yourself in a mask, in a tent alone. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just finished my first COVID job and it was so different. I was going to ask. Yeah, because I've done guest spots. I've yeah. done a few guest spots and it's very weird. It feels kind of military, like with different zones and masks and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first time I ever, like, I I always drive myself to work when I shoot at home in LA, but when I'm on location, usually they have someone pick you up in a van or whatever. And this mm-hmm. time I was kind of like, you know, I think I'll just drive myself because I had a rental car and I've never done that before. Um because I just thought, like, I'll just, like, take one potential danger out of the equation. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, right, right. Um, that was really strange. But I also kind of really liked it. And I was like, oh, that's something I might, like, take away from this. Like, I might, we call it self-drive. I might self-drive um, <laughs> to work now when I'm on location. Like, that's a little something I learned. I also 
um, opted to stay in an apartment instead of a hotel because I thought, again, it would be a little bit safer. And I also really liked that. And then I was constantly, when they like knock on my trailer door and they're like, they're ready for you in hair and makeup. I was always leaving my trailer and they're like, you need to put a mask on. And I'm like, oh, right, shit, sorry. Okay. Like I forgot about the masks and, and, but like, yeah, it was a little like what I love. I love acting, but I also really love people and being around people and meeting people and getting to know people and their stories and their lives and like who they are and where they came from and all the things. Basically, your three questions is what I love to ask too. Yeah. And um and and I didn't really get much of that, you know, yeah. this time. Yeah, no, I was I I I do a guest spot on a show that uh one of the executive producers it w- directed a show that I did, like one mm-hmm. of the shows that I was on. Your show, yeah. And yeah, Andy Barker PI, <laughs> and a guy named Jason Ensler. And um and I went over to talk to him by the video village. And somebody that I had never even seen on set, some guy came up to me and was like, you can't talk to them. You can't yeah. stand here and talk. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is what I do, though. I mean, no, this is where you know, I sit. This, this is yeah, where I hang well, out. This yeah, is how I well, get my next job. <laughs> right, exactly. No, it's like this is where this is where the real entertaining happens, like here at Video Village. You know, I that's know. like more the fun part of it. I went to hug a crew member that I hadn't seen in a while. Yeah. And they were like, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yes. You're a married woman. (laughs) (laughs) Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my loves are growing? This is something that I ask you because I feel like we're in the same kind of boat here. Uh, Because I noticed, you know, they sent me some research. And I think it's even like on Wikipedia. (laughs) Judy is well known for playing the best friend or the, Uh, you know. Yeah. You know, being the second. Yeah. Boy, do I know that. that, Yeah. You know, that thing. Like being an accessory to the main focus. Yeah. And how does how does that sit with you? And is it something that you thought would be coming your way? I mean, you know, no one I think goes into this wanting to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right, right. I think well, you- but not every people don't always like. I didn't go into this because I wanted to be Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. want to be the biggest thing in the world. I guess I never thought like I want to be a star. Yeah, but. When you're little and you're watching romantic comedies, you see yourself as the girl in the romantic comedy. Yeah. Or like, I shouldn't say you. One does. I do. I did. I like do. I, watched- I sure do. <laughs> so, so no. Like, while I was never like, I mean, I guess mine would have been like Julia Roberts. I didn't come here thinking I'm going to be Julia Roberts. But I thought like, those are the roles I want to play. That's like the, those are the fun parts. 
And the truth is, if I were to not be grateful and and not like see the trajectory of my career, like I would make myself crazy. Like, yeah. And I would tell, like, if I was talking to myself, I'd be like, then you should just quit if you're unhappy because like you have it really good. And it's not, how do you say this? It's not like it's the time's past, but also like looking back and seeing, you know, like I have a career that people would cut their fingers off for, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me to look up to someone else's career and wish I had that career, like at this point in my life and in my career, like, I think that's just crazy making. Yeah. I mean, what I can say that is disappointing is how underwritten our roles can be. Yeah. And how we show up on set expecting to like, you'll make it better. And it's like, why don't you make it better? Because you're a fucking writer and you wrote this. I don't feel like that's fair to us. Yeah, Yeah. And I also like, oh, can you, can we add in a line where you're like, you know, oh, you finally got your driver's license because we need to establish it like she didn't have her driver's license. It's like, I don't, I'm also like, I don't need to be your exposition all Mm -hmm. the time. Like, that's you being a lazy writer or lazy (laughs) producer or director. Like, those are the things that I think can be frustrating still. Um, But also, I personally have been able to, like, fly, like, really under the radar and do all kinds of things that... Mm -hmm. Like, without the pressure of, like, can she open a movie? Does she have box office? Like, I get to play a million different roles and a million different things. Um, I I think people still feel like they're discovering me sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, I can be, I have lots of different demographics of fans. Yeah. Because I'm not, you know, pigeonholed. Um, but as far as just that, like, sidekick you know, number three on the call sheet. Um, it's always, it's always better when number one on the call sheet is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and I'll say like, I always like joke that my sweet spot is like number three to five on the call sheet because like when I'm on location, like I do get to go to the cool restaurants. I get to go shopping. I get to have days off. I get to see the art museums and stuff. And like, I remember shooting one of the Ant-Mans with Paul Rudd. I guess it was the second one. And some crew member was like, so what have you done since you've been in San Francisco? And Paul was like, uh, (laughs) wear a suit. Yeah. I've worked every second that I've been here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, mean, I am. Paul's Paul, so he was, of course, lovely to the person. But yes, like, looks yes. at me like, what, what, what would I have done? I know, I know. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm right there with you on all of it. And I remember <laughs> once I heard, I think he was on Howard Stern, uh, Steve Van Zant, you know, Miami Steve yeah. Van Zant of yeah. the Springsteen band yeah. and of, of Sopranos, he talked about how, you know, because he's like number two in the in the E Street band now. He's got you know, he's the number two guitarist and he's, you know, this Miami Steve. And and he said, and he had his own band, uh, uh Disciples of Soul, I think where they were called. So he's like, I was number one, and he goes, I didn't like it very much. He's like, number two, you just get to have fun and you don't have to. And like, and I have throughout this thing with Conan, I've been like, he knows every executive's name because he has to. I don't know any of their names because they don't give a shit about me. 
and he has to go to meetings <laughs> with true, them. But... And, well, but you know, <laughs> I what, know I what I mean, mean. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, no, I'm happy to say they don't give a shit about me because <laughs> in a in like like you know, take away all nuance. Ultimately, they don't give a shit about me. Like I'm Conan's problem to them. You know, right, like right. you know what I mean? I'm just an ex- I'm just an adjunct to to him off of them. And it's nice. It's kind of nice. I, it just, there's been so many times when I just feel like the, just the weight that he's carrying on his back yeah. and he's, he's, he needs to care. Like that's who he is. Yeah. Like he would, I, he would be dissatisfied being me and I would be <laughs> miserable being him, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's another thing I've noticed is, is the pressure, yeah. uh, that is not on us. Like you're saying exactly like, like famous actresses and actors who like, you know, one, one bad opening weekend. Remember those when yeah. movies were in theaters mm-hmm. and they had opening week, um, one bad opening weekend can like change the trajectory, you know, of, yeah. of like, of what you've been building. And, and for us, it's like a movie doesn't do well or nobody sees it. It's like a drag, but it's not necessarily my fault. Right, right. You know, by the way, it's not the fault of the movie star either. Let's be yeah. honest. It's just the way the ball bounces sometimes. It's and, just, it's all a weird mix. It is it, weird, yeah. but it does, you know, but that can have a negative impact on the next like couple jobs. And yeah, but also it's, it's sometimes fun. I'm sure you would agree. Like, Maybe your first day of work is after they've already been shooting for two weeks, and then you come in, and everyone's like so excited, like to have <laughs> new someone person. new there, yeah, yeah, like, making jokes and like being funny, and like you kind of have like my little like stand-up Judy that I kind of do, uh-huh. like my little jokes. Like I-, I don't know, like that's also kind of fun too. And sometimes I see that, like, while my character is taking the pressure off, so am I sometimes a little bit, like. They need us, Andy. That's my point. Yeah. They, they need us. Yeah. And it's, I actually find too, character roles are more interesting than leading parts. Yeah. Most always. of the time. It's just, they're just, they're the real people. They get the good, they, they yeah. get the jokes, you know? I know. Yeah. They got to lay the pipe of exposition, you know? And yeah, and, and on shitty productions, lazy productions, yeah. they have to do too much of it. But they also get, you know, it's, it's quick hit and run, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. But sometimes I don't know. I have this a lot where people on the street, when they recognize me, they'll honestly say, like, why do they make you look so ugly in movies? Like, you're so pretty in real life. And I'm always like, I don't. Well, I didn't think they did. But (laughs) but there is also that pressure. And I can say as a, a female actress in Hollywood, like the supporting roles, like there's also not that pressure either. You know, yeah, yeah. like I don't have to be glamorous and beautiful. I can be a real person. Like I don't yeah. have to look perfect in my roles because my, yeah. my characters aren't perfect and they're not always that. Well, perfection and glamour is all, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> fake. I it's know. like, it's like, it takes tons of work. It takes, like, I always just love in movies when somebody, you know, like is on the lamb and their hair is perfect. I know. You know, like, it's just like, and and you think like why can't their hair be fucked up? They just jumped out of a of a ra- moving railroad car because there are too many people who are like, well, you can't let her hair be fucked up. No, or like yeah. you wake up in the morning, really? Yeah, yeah, with really? eye makeup on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, we we need to get on to the next step, <gasps> which is where are you going? 
what are you, uh, what, what, what are you looking forward to? Now, I know, I think the last time I saw you in person, you had just directed a movie. Did yeah. anything happen with that? Is it? It is. It, it, it sort of, I mean, it came out quickly. As yeah. Movies tend to do, um, but you can watch it. It's called A Happening of Monumental Proportions, and I think okay. you can rent it um, however you rent movies these days. And that was an amazing experience and ultimately uh, definitely made me a better actor, like as far as just the job is concerned, like not necessarily like like it made me really appreciate what uh, the other side of it is. Um, and I'm also hoping to direct again. I have a couple movies I'm attached to, so we'll see if we can get some money for those if I can. Um, where am I going? I think as we've all been forced to sit by ourselves for a year, I should have a better answer. But I think like it's the first time that I feel happy saying like, I'm really open to like what comes my way. Yeah. And I feel really grateful that I am healthy and that I have this great career still and that I'm working again and that, I don't know, grateful that I still love what I do too. Cause yeah. I was like, if I sit in this house, which I've never spent a year at home before, am I going to not want to go back? Am I going to be like, eh? I don't know. Like I think, yeah. I talk to so many people that are kind of going through that. And the thought of like, when you, like getting vaccinated, I was like, <laughs> all right, I can, you know, like when I was fully vaccinated, I can get yeah. out and do things. And then there was a part of me, it's like, oh shit, I got to get out and do things. I know. Oh, do I want to? I know. And yeah. I thought like the first thing I thought about being vaccinated um, was like, I can work. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's so telling. <laughs> like, yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I can party again. Or I, <laughs> it's like yeah, the yeah. first thing was like, oh, I can go to work. And as my therapist says, like, it's just all gathering information. I didn't really mind being here with my husband and my dog. I didn't really mind, like, if I wanted to see some friends, like, testing and quarantining so I could see them. I'm like, these people are worth it. That is worth it. Working is worth it. But like going back to like going out and doing all the things now that people are getting vaccinated and you're getting hit with all these invitations all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, I am not ready for that yet emotionally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I am ready to work. And I am hoping when you ask, like, where am I going? Like, I'm reinvigorated with acting. I'm like, I'm realizing how much I missed it and how much I love it and how much I love being on a set and how grateful I am that I can be on a set again. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, just being open to whatever's happening. That's, that's yeah. a really solid plan. You that's know? kind of, and not trying to like, like, I don't know. I read like the inspirational shit that I read and it's like, you got to get it. You got to go after it. If you want it, you got to make it happen. And I am like, no, I was doing that for 20 years and it was awesome. And I made a lot of stuff happen, but like, I'm kind of ready to be like, okay, world, like, what do you got? I'd like to see what you have for me for a while. Yeah. And also, and kind of being open to, to that and not trying to like force things or, I got like this really amazing offer to do this movie that was like a dream role and a dream movie with a dream cast. And because of scheduling, I couldn't work it out. Mm. And I had to be okay with that. And that was such a great, weirdly, like a great thing to happen because 
I can't control everything. We can't yeah. control when a pandemic shuts our world down. Like we can yeah. only control like how we deal with it. And like still, I feel like not answering your question. No, you are. You are. Absolutely. You absolutely are. Because that is, that's like I said, that's a, that's a plan. Yeah. Being open. That's the whole point of, you know, a, you mentioned it before. I think we started recording like Buddhist stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the that's Buddhism. That's yeah. stay open. Be ready. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't cling. Expect, don't force. Don't. Yeah. And like, don't cling to what you think something is. Like we can't, yeah. like it's the clinging that creates the suffering. And if you, you know, there's like this woman I was taking these classes with, there's like, you have your in breath and then you have your, your inhale and then your exhale. And like, what's great is trying to find that moment between the inhale and the exhale. And like, I think in my past, the inhale would be like, you want to be in this movie? And I'd be like, yes, I want to work. Yes. I want to be in this movie. Like I want to try to like live in that like moment between the inhale and the exhale and like, like, okay, wait, what is the movie? Like, what is the job? What is the person? What is the event that I'm being asked to do? Do I really like that mid back to that, like Midwestern, like it's all going to end. It's all Mm going to be over. Yeah. Well, and also too, being home with someone you love and your dog, that's the main thing. That's all that the more you get, you know, the more you, the older you get, it's always the older you <laughs> get. Just me that's just That's what, that's the important thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said something when Conan and I first started working together and they did some sort of TV guide or something and they talked to me about him. And I said, I said, I sometimes, I said, I worry about him being like too much in this world. I said, because I, and, and the quote was something like, I don't think having met David Hasselhoff 18 times is going to keep the ghosts away when you're laying in a nursing home bed. <laughs> and, and he said that a friend of his was like, holy shit. Like, like wow. so that, dark. Yeah, wow. But I was like, well, I just mean it. I just plain old mean it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's true. Yeah. Now there's the, the, what's it all mean? I mean, you kind of said people reach out to you for advice and I, you know, I (laughs) try to find different ways to ask it, you know, like what's the moral of your story, you know? Oh, I know. I'm trying to figure that out. I guess we all are, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think like, I want really badly to find a way to make the most people happy and to like, help make people like the happiest that they could possibly be to like find peace and happiness. And, Mm -hmm. and when I felt like being an actress was a really selfish choice for my life and my mom, of course, thank God for Midwestern mothers (laughs) being like, no, you bring people joy. Like they love to watch you and it makes them happy. And I'm like, Oh, that's so lame. And I think like, well, yeah, if I can do that, but also in, in what other ways can I make people happy? So next time I come on, maybe I'll have, so I'll have figured it out. Right. But I would like to volunteer somewhere awesome. I guess I would like to find ways that I can bring joy to people. That's, you know, that's basically, that's the <laughs> golden rule, you know? I mean, that's like, yeah. in a way, that's a way to interpret it. It's like, yeah, you know, I had a, uh, what my great aunt, I had a great aunt, uh, who used to give us like always kind of like Bible themed gifts and stuff. And one time she gave me, she gave me a set 
it was like 50 pens that were uh, printed with the phrase, Jesus loves you and so do I, Aunt Viola. <laughs> and, uh, and the card that she included just said, others, with an exclamation point, love, Annie Vi. Because we called it Auntie Vi. Uh-huh. And, and I just thought, you know, I, I mean, you know, you can make that go being others driven can also yeah. like put you into a mental institution. Yeah. And but there's a lot of people in Al-Anon because of it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, but the urge, the urge is the right urge. You know, the urge is, you know, if you do it right and if you make kindness, your goal, and if you mm-hmm. make other, making other people happy, your goal, it probably will work out okay for you. You know, you got to take care of yourself along the way. There's yeah. always balance in it. But, yeah. you know. No, I, I, it's, but it's so, it's like we've, I think sometimes overlook how easy it is. Like, it's so easy to like let the car in in front of you in. Yeah. Like that's one type, like that's an easy thing to do. It's like, a tiny example. That's it's like, so small. Yeah. Or like, I love my husband. Like. I know something so small as like doing the dishes before he gets home from work. Like I don't have to, he's not going to be mad at me if there's dishes, but I also know like he loves a clean kitchen. Mm-hmm. That's so easy. Yeah. It's like, there's so tiny, those tiny little things we can do every day for the people we really love and for strangers. Like it's not that difficult. Yeah. I, a big one is always like, you don't have to say that. Like right. that's, you know, there's lots of things that people say where you just feel like, you don't have to say that, you know. I know. My I, my mom. It's all about learning, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 You were going to say <laughs> your mom? My mom does it. She says it all. And that's, <laughs> that's a real lesson for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's what parents are for, to set negative examples. <laughs> to teach you what you don't want to well, Judy, it's really been a joy getting to catch up with you and it to see your beautiful face. Love seeing you. I do too. Yeah. And so thank you for coming on and, and, Thanks for and having sharing me. with us. And oh, uh, and I wanted, uh, there were things. Oh, uh, things, yes. Um, Archer, you're still yes. on Archer, the, the runaway juggernaut, hilarious uh, uh, show God Archer. For Archer, yes. <laughs> and then you have another, an animated movie coming out yes. uh, June 30th. Yeah. America. America, the motion uh-huh. picture. Yep. What, what, and um, and what's that about? Just quickly. It's um, it's about America. It's it's a it's a comedy. It's dark. It's funny. It's naughty. Um, it's Ooh, not for children. I my don't believe. Favorite and things. yes, I mean it's directed by one of our producers of Archer, so that should oh, give you great. an inclination. Um, Channing Tatum and Killer Mike, and we have a great cast, and it's really uh, a dark look at the um, beginnings of our country. Excellent. <laughs> well, Judy, let's get, let's see each other face to face one of these days. Please. Yes. We're vaccinated. Woo! Hooray. All right. And thank you all out there for tuning in again to the three questions. And we'll be back next week with three more. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review the three questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? This has been a Team Coco production. 
in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.